0: We would like to acknowledge that this podcast, Voices of Sustainability, is created on the traditional territory of the Neutral, Anishinaabe, and Haudenosaunee peoples. Sustainable Waterloo Region is situated on the Haldeman Tract, the land promised to the six nations that includes six miles on each side of the Grand River. Hello everyone, welcome to Voices of Sustainability. I'm Sabine. And I'm Lauren. We are part of the organization Sustainable Waterloo Region, or SWR, and we will be your co-hosts.
1: SWR is a non-profit organization in Waterloo Region, Ontario, championing business-led and community-focused climate action. Through this podcast, we want to amplify diverse perspectives and voices in the sustainability movement. We hope you find these conversations meaningful, educational, and inspiring. Wow, Savinay, can you believe it? Uh we are at the final episode of this season and it's been a really incredible ride. Um we've been hard at work over the course of the last few months. I feel like this has been um, you know, kind of a a dream in the making since late 2020 and and now, you know, it's it's summer 2021. We've done it. We've made it this far and um yeah, really excited uh that we have been able to accomplish what we've been able to accomplish through it
0: yeah it's kind of wild to think about um how we came up with the podcast and then we recorded the whole time during a pandemic and to this day we've both never met like i've never met you in person i
1: know (laughs) we've chatted so much over the course of the last few months i feel like it's it's kind of fun that we've been able to make friends virtually over the course of the pandemic so very grateful for that
0: and i think the podcast has also been a venue, a place for so many really interesting conversations uh, over the past few months with so many different people who've had really different paths um, and who've been amazing assets to SWR. Totally. And I'm really happy that, you know, when Toba asked me, would you be interested in helping with this podcast that I decided to say yes, even though I'd had no experience ever recording a podcast, I didn't even know what that would mean. Um, I'm really happy that I jumped in and took the leap. And I think it's really great that this kind of content is now part of the SWR brand and the things that we're currently doing. Um, But you know, we, we do have a really big announcement to make
1: that we do. Yes. Um, Yeah. So Savinay and I have both kind of talked about this a little bit here and there throughout our interviews, but we are going to be moving on to uh, new projects and and new chapters uh, in September, um, starting our master's uh, in BC, Um, different masters, different cities. But um, we have decided um, that uh, moving forward, as much as we have loved being a part of this podcast and getting it off the ground, it's not feasible for us to continue um doing that moving forward uh, given our new lives that we'll be starting so uh, we're going to be welcoming a new team member to the podcast yes our team member who is a fellow swr volunteer like savonet and i um, and we're going to be having a little chat with him today so do you want to introduce yourself
2: yep uh hello uh, my name is heather stiak i'm the current program coordinator co-op for this term for swr i'm just excited to be here and excited to uh, join the podcast
0: And we're really, really happy to have you. Um, I think it's going to be really interesting to see what happens with season two um, and where you continue to take the podcast. I know we're leaving it in very, very capable and good hands.
2: Thank you. I appreciate it. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, couldn't agree more. I think Sabine and I have uh, been, you know, kind of starting from the ground. We've never, neither of us had, like you said, have ever had experience making a podcast before and um, Hader has. So that's great. Yep. <laughs> You're mm-hmm. a pro and you'll be able to to probably provide a lot more technical expertise than we've been able to. But sure. um, but yeah, I'm grateful uh, to have you on board, Hader. It's going to be awesome.
2: Thank you so much. I appreciate the opportunity yeah so let's
0: jump into the questions today for our podcast with you um, I'm gonna ask you something really fun and you can take this anywhere you'd like it to be um, what is your favorite place and it doesn't have to be like a vacation destination just your favorite place to spend time
2: mm, that's a really good question um, favorite place to spend time well I think one of them definitely would be university. I I just love the Waterloo campus. It's one of my favorites. Um, definitely some place that I, I look forward to going to, and especially during the pandemic, I haven't stepped on campus in around two years. So that's that's been a long time for me. Um, so hopefully uh, coming this fall, when I move back in, I can actually go and, um, you know, go there and study, especially I love the coffee shop. The ESS coffee shop is is just great. Um, seeing all my friends there and everything uh, in terms of places I want to go. Uh, one of my dream vacations is definitely Japan. I really want to go to Japan. I think it's uh, it's insane. The things that they do there, the architecture, the, the history, the culture, uh, the language, especially. I think it's uh, very cool. And, uh, and uh, hopefully I can save enough money to go there in the future.
0: Those are some really good answers and I definitely feel you about campus. I've actually been back during the pandemic just to take a stroll Mm -hmm. Um, and a few things have actually changed. Like some of the signage has changed. I don't know if you have been like, if you've driven by or anything.
2: Yeah. I Um, drove by, I saw the signs uh, a little bit as well. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. But I just, you know, I graduated this year and went to Waterloo as well. And so it's kind of sad that I didn't get to spend my last year there. Um, on campus, but I think in the coming weeks I may stop by and do a little Waterloo photo shoot and say goodbye. You <laughs> very nice. That would be so cute, right?
2: Very nice. <laughs> Hope to see you there.
0: Yes. <laughs> um, so I just want to ask you about your current role at SWR. You mentioned a little bit at the beginning. Um, so what do you what do you do on a daily basis? Uh, when did you start, and how have you been enjoying your time so far?
2: Uh, yep. So um, my position currently right now is a co-op position. So I started in May. Uh, it's a four-month co-op. I end in about two weeks, which is uh, a little bit bittersweet because I really like this job in this co-op position and the opportunities that the, that this uh, position has given me. Uh, but essentially, I'm the program coordinator co-op. I mainly support with WRSI, the Regional Sustainability Initiative, and I support with events and travel-wise. So essentially, I'm helping with uh, supporting organizations achieve their their goals, whether that be water, waste, uh, climate goals, and especially with events, supporting with um, event specific stuff, uh, such as um, creating event plans, supporting with um, online events, et cetera, especially in a COVID uh, era. And um, with travel wise, supporting their documents, um, taking meeting minutes during during meetings and supporting with sustainable transportation as a whole. So that essentially encapsulates uh, what I do at SWR. Uh, you know, I'm working in multiple departments. There's always things popping up and uh, keeps me on my toes. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's one of the things I really enjoyed about about working with SWR. Uh, when I had my, my little um, co-op period, you can be in one position in one role, but there's so many opportunities to dip into different parts mm-hmm. um, and you just get to learn so much even in that short, Four month period, so it sounds like you've got a lot going on. Um,
2: yep, full yep. days. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My schedule is uh, is always busy, but in a good way.
0: <laughs> yeah, of course. Um, and so I know you said you're heading back to Waterloo this fall. So where do you currently live, and, and where did you grow up?
2: Um, so currently I live in Oakville Ontario Canada so uh, I'm right here i'm I'm like an hour away from the university and most of my friends are from you know different places so we we like to hang out sometimes and it usually takes us like an hour to all meet each other but it's, it's worth yeah. it. Um, but I actually, uh, I've lived in many places around the world. I grew up in, uh, I actually was born in Pakistan, uh, Karachi, Pakistan. So I'm from there originally, um, my father, uh, worked in the UN. So we constantly had to move around a lot. Um, so I lived in, uh, in Pakistan uh, for a couple months. Then we moved to the democratic Republic of Congo. Uh, that's where I lived for about five years. Uh, and then after that, I, I lived in Indonesia. Uh, so that was, that was exciting for about a year. And then finally, in 2008, I, I, I made it all the way to Canada and I've just been living here ever since. So, um, you know, tumultuous, uh, a long journey, but we're here and uh, we're live. So, yeah.
1: I'm curious, how has your your upbringing kind of bouncing around to so many different places and also being exposed to the international community and, um, you know, kind of the the... Um, yeah, the culture of of being someone who's related to someone who works for the UN. Mm-hmm. How has that all influenced your um, your understanding of sustainability and your approach to sustainability?
2: I think, as you said, um, you know. Uh, approaching different cultures and understanding it and manifesting it, you know, um, when you're constantly moving around, you tend to live in different environments and you understand the people and the culture there, um, and you really tend to understand what the the main issues or the problems that are that are happening or occurring in that in that place. And for me, you know, um, having a big worldview and a very international one uh, helps me to understand many different problems, um, such as social issues. Um, from a very young age, I was very interested in you know crises like world hunger or or things like that. So I think having various different perspectives and, and really living with the people there uh, helped me to understand uh, on a more much higher and deeper level. I'd say sustainability came into mind when I was during high school. Um, you know, I wasn't too much into it back then, but I think during the time I started reading climate reports and started um, you know researching the topic by myself. Uh, when I decided to go into environmental business at, at Waterloo, that was really my idea. Um, my parents wanted me to do something uh, in in the business field, but the sustainability aspect and the environment aspect, that was all for me. So I think, you know, having that, uh, studying it by yourself and really looking forward to, you know, making a difference in the world. That's, that's what I would like to do personally, making a, making a difference. That's why I'm taking this, this, uh, this position. And, and, you know, that's why I applied for this co-op. That's why I, um, um, you know, study environment and business. It's all because of this, right. Solving an issue or highlighting social issues and, and, and a great way to do this is to a podcast, right? So people will listen and, you know, getting diverse perspectives on, on, on an issue is very important, Um, uh, you know, to find a, co- a a commonality between people and, and you know, uh, join voices. So I believe that my sustainability story really starts from the ground up. And, you know, as I'm starting to, realize more and more and study more and more um it's helping me develop what i want to do in the future and um for my career as well
1: that's really cool yeah Mm -hmm. i definitely um i think a lot of us as younger folks who are entering into this movement and choosing to go into work in this field um it's i think that that concept of you know really wanting to make a difference and make sure Mm -hmm. that you know we can do at least a little, be, be a little bit of a little, a little part of this journey towards making the world a better place for future generations. So exactly, um, yeah, definitely resonate with that. Um, so for yourself choosing Waterloo, um, was that specifically because of the program? Like I would love to know a little bit more about what made you choose that, um, the University of Waterloo environment and business um, program specifically.
2: For sure. So, uh, when I was in grade twelve, um, I actually I was living all alone at that time. My father, um, he was uh, out of the country I, with my with my mom. Um, he had to, um, you know, uh, go to South Africa to get surgery there because his um his um his leg was was in a very precarious position. Um, I, I can give a bit of backstory on this. So, uh, in, in nineteen ninety seven, my father actually um, stepped on a landmine uh, while he was working for the UN, uh, and he still has his original leg you know, don't worry about that. So over the time period, he had to get multiple surgeries and everything like that. So grade 12, um, he actually had to go all the way to South Africa um, for, uh, for a surgery because uh, the only doctor he knew there actually knew how to perform the surgery that he needed so essentially i was all alone for for the, my whole grade 12 year living six months home alone uh, cooking my own food uh um, you know taking public transit to school uh, it was definitely experience i mean it, you know kind of prepared me for university uh, and everything like that but you know doing and studying um, what i wanted to do in the future i kind of took that upon myself so i laid down what i wanted to kind of apply myself in I then I stumbled across the, stumbled across the environment and business program at Waterloo. I thought that this was um, you know, groundbreaking. I, I've never seen a program like this. And I thought, you know, sustainability is something that's very important to me. And, you know, combining it with uh business is something that I always want. Um when when you go to an organization and you can tell them that this is how you can reduce your emissions, your you you can track your your data like this, and um, essentially once you realize that corporations and, and businesses are the most contributing factors to um, emissions in, in in our modern time, then having that access point of sustainability crossing with business just made sense to me. Um, so definitely. Waterloo was my number one choice, but I, I applied to many different business programs. Business was something I always wanted to do, but uh, the environment aspect of it, I really wanted to do at Waterloo. Of course, I knew Waterloo was a great school. I mean, everyone does, um, and especially their co-op program. That was something I was very interested in. Um, finding co-ops that relate to sustainability and relate to business as well was something that I always really wanted to do. And getting practical experience for the stuff that I was studying was very important to me. I'm um, Getting a position at SWR was amazing because I knew that this was the essentially um, solving the business case for sustainability. That's exactly what they're doing at SWR. So when I, when I finally um, applied for the job, I got the position. Thankfully, uh, I was over the moon because I knew that this was something that I truly want to pursue in the future. And um, hopefully, you know, it can take me there in the future. So yeah, that's why I chose Waterloo in the Environment and Business Program
1: sounds like you're on the right path for sure in uh, in terms of where you want to go next so thank you that sounds great Um, what have been your experiences with co-op so far i know you said you're in 3b Term. Yep. So yep. I don't know if our listeners know what that means, but
2: <laughs> So um essentially the way it works is we have co-op and then school, so essentially your your terms are 1A, 1B, 2A, 2B, and your work terms are split by work term 1, work term 2. So currently after this co-op I'll be done three three work terms. So for my first uh, co-op job I worked as a uh, assistant technical analyst for regional appeal. Uh so essentially what I did was I went to, to schools uh, from pre-K to 12. Uh, this was this was um pre COVID. So, and and the job actually went online when, when, the pan, when the pandemic hit. So I did that job from January to around April. Uh, so essentially what I did was I went to schools in, in the region of Peel area and I performed or presented uh, presentations on waste management. So I talked to kids uh, about how um, they're, they were impacting the environment, how to properly sort your waste, et cetera, like that. Uh, my favorite um, things or my presentations were definitely the younger grades so during kindergarten and grade one just seeing you know all, all their faces and, and then you do like a giant recycling dance and like a song that was very cute <laughs> um but and then for my second co-op term I worked for my professor um uh, of environment business so that was very insightful you know delving into the into the program and understanding uh the whole program at another level I supported with you know creating more content for environment business courses and supporting it that way um so you know, definitely through my other co-ops, they've been learned experiences and definitely stuff that I've taken from there that I've applied now. Um, the one that I'm taking, the one that I'm almost completing SWR right now is the most uh, applicable um, because, you know, it really solves that business case for sustainability and something that I'm passionate about. And hopefully I can find a position like this in the future. So um, definitely, you know, the co-op program is is very essential and important to me. As you know, you, you get 20 months of experience. Um, which is very crucial, uh, in, in today's time. And especially after you graduate, I planned it on doing my master's in the future, so that'll definitely help. And then hopefully uh, working as an environmental professional, showing that I've, I've worked in these places and, and gain that experience, that definitely be an asset in the future.
1: That's fantastic. Mm-hmm. yeah i think um for someone who didn't do co-op in undergrad um, i definitely missed out on it i felt like there was so much that i you know wasn't able to experience and mm-hmm. i was lucky that i was able to get a job right out of undergrad but um i think it's really unique that you know now you can really apply what you've been internalizing in you know your courses and that kind of thing to exactly um, to the real world right away which i think exactly. is super valuable
2: at least you got free summers. That's nice. That's so, true. Yeah. true. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, I really, um, I kind of want to touch on that point that you said, Lauren, about the benefit of co op and the benefit of um, having that as part of your program at Waterloo. Um, you know, I am a Waterloo alum, so I'm a little bit biased, but I definitely was able to develop and find my passions through my co op experiences. And get to understand, you know, what's really required as an environmental professional, and specifically as a planner, like what it looks like on the day to day. You know, gain those experiences and also really great contacts to reach out to in the future, which is so awesome. Um, and there's so many amazing people who work at SWR who are just full of information and and so passionate about providing opportunities to young people. So. Um, it's been a really great place to volunteer and a great place to work.
2: Mm-hmm. I definitely agree with you on that, on that point.
0: So I just, this question is a big one. And um, when Lauren actually asked me, and it took me a while to sit down and like think about it, because I think that sustainability, um, because it is so diverse and it means different things to different people, depending on, you know, where they grew up, where they come from. Even their socioeconomic status like those things really influence what you define as sustainability and Mm -hmm. so Hader just based on all of your experiences you know you've lived in so many different places um, and you have um, such a diverse background like what does sustainability mean to you Um, and how do you think that that definition how do you think that um, that diverse definition can kind of be used to create a, a interesting, a different space in the sustainability movement?
2: Oh, you're asking me tough questions today. Um, <laughs> so I think sustainability, you know, before I kind of joined my program and and I did all these, the, all these experiences, and had all these experiences. Um, sustainability before meant, um, you know, saving the planet or, you know, doing things to reduce your emissions, etc. Um, you know, being environmentally friendly or conscious. That was the only sustainability definition I had in mind. But you know, going through all these experiences, understanding different people and understanding their perspectives, sustainability is is very holistic in a sense. Um, you gain a sense of understanding from people who are. Going through sustainability, the people who are being affected by said sustainability, uh, the people who are being affected by the GHG emissions or pollution, etc. You gain a sense of a uh, of, of of a of a diverse, holistic people view that you wouldn't get before. Now, I understand that when we talk talk about issues um, uh, affecting people, especially, um, you know, BIPOC individuals in in, in regards to sustainability, Um, when I read about articles uh, stating that, you know, many BIPOC individuals live in places where uh, their emissions, uh, the emissions are very high, and pollution is very high. and, And, you know, they uh, they specifically put those people there near to those power plants or near those plants uh, because of their socioeconomic position. So sustainability is, is very important because it encapsulates, encapsulates so much than we actually believe it does. Um, it, it, it takes people and, and their voices and brings them forth to solve issues on a, on a very high level. And sustainability is a social action problem, meaning that you know it's not going to be solved by one person and it's not going to be solved overnight. There's always a story, and there's always a working mechanism. There's always a cog in the wheel that is always turning for sustainability. It'll there'll always be more cogs to be added until we solve that finality. Until we come to a commonality and we decide, you know what, this is the time where we take our issues and and, and when we take our our struggles with sustainability and we push them forth and we create something new. Um, you know, I, I'm sure both of you read the the recent IPCC IPCC report, and that really scared me while I was reading it. You know, eco anxiety for me is, is something that's very high. Every time I go into my classes and I, I listen to practical knowledge that's coming out, especially articles and everything like that, saying you know we're on the brink of something, we're on the brink of 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 extinction. This is the sixth extinction they've said, and that really sits with me because I feel like I want to make a change in this world and 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 make sure that. What we're doing now doesn't affect my my future lineage. You know, the, for the people who are living a thousand, uh, a hundred years from now, they should not be affected by what's going on today. And people who are, you know, 90 years old now, they say, oh, yeah, we don't care about sustainability. I mean, it makes sense because, you know, you, uh, you won't see to live uh, what the, the actual consequences. But, but in 2050, I'll be 50 years old. And if I see more plastic than there is fish in the ocean that's going to be really scary knowing that i won't be able to get my resources knowing that anyone won't be able to get the resources prices will start hiking up essentially it's going to be the end of the world but right now if we take steps to to make a difference then that finality or that future can change. We have the ability to do that. And Savannah, as you were saying, you know, the diverse perspectives, it definitely sustainability grows with you over time. I used to think sustainability just meant, you know, throwing your trash in the right place or um, making sure that you know you, you drive an electric car sometimes or take public transit. That's not what that means. I think as you continue and grow as a person, especially within the sustainability field, you start getting more diverse perspectives. And it really forms a, a viewpoint on what you think and how we should tackle sustainability in the future. And that's something that I want to do with um, you know all my experiences and definitely work with businesses to achieve uh, their targets and making sure that the world is a better place for the future.
0: Yes, to all of that, honestly, <laughs> that was awesome. Um, and I, I really agree with a lot of a lot of what you've said. Um, And there was one thing you mentioned about how sustainability grows with you, like the definition Mm kind of gets wider as you grow um, and as you mature. Um, And so what do you kind of think about um, the sustainability movement as it's been marketed? I'm going to say marketed in like a North American um, perspective. Like, do you think that there's a need for creating more space for diversity in that movement um, in the way that we think about sustainability?
2: For sure. I think that, you know, the, as long as we get more and more voices, then we we finally can understand what sustainability truly means and how to tackle it on, 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 many different levels, uh, whether that be governmental, social, economic, you know, whether that be um, all the levels essentially, but yeah. uh, for example, sustainability and the professional field of sustainability is very female dominated. And, you know, I've read articles on many about that. And, and that's something that maybe, you know, uh, gaining more male voices, especially um, male voices that are are from you know people of color or or black or BIPOC individuals who are male, it, it does provide a, a diverse perspective because many of the sustainability fields uh, that I've worked in personally, they are very female dominated, and it's the case, uh, which I'm not saying is a bad thing. Definitely, you know that's that's very good, um, but. I think having a diverse perspective on sustainability and understanding the issues of where everyone comes in—that's very important. And I, and I especially think that having more indigenous voices um, is very important because the way that Canada has has you know treated their environment and, and the way that we have profited uh, from the indigenous peoples is honestly disgusting. I think that there should be more conversation around that. Um, reconciliation is not everything, right? There needs to be actual living change that should be happening for the indigenous uh, people who are in this country. And um, especially in the environmental sense, because when we reap um, all their land and we, and we you know, start vindicating resources for ourselves and only allowing them before we, uh, before uh, Canada was formed, there were essentially not that many problems. They, they were using the resources effectively um, and, you know, providing back to the earth. But, yeah, there needs to be more voices in that space and definitely continuing knowledge because if we have more knowledge then obviously we'll be able to do more and, and achieve more within the sustainability field and especially i think reaching out to, to more people and uh taking this to, to higher places is definitely uh definitely a need for example a podcast like this if if many diverse people listen to it then obviously in their brain they might get an idea oh this is what sustainability means. Well, what does it mean to me? They'll start self-reflecting, maybe take some classes or courses and try to understand it on a more deeper, holistic level. That's what should be intended, right? To, um, in, uh, not, not infiltrate, sorry, but, um, kind of, uh, spread the idea, spread it in a positive manner, help people realize what sustainability is and for them to truly contribute to something huge, to something bigger than ourselves, essentially something for the future and future generations.
1: I'm gonna push back on one thing that you said. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I have noticed, um, you know, in terms of when we look at gender representation in sustainability, mm-hmm. um, I definitely have noticed as well that there is a large um, representation kind of on the ground of women who are working in the movement. Um, and I do agree that it's important to have representation all across the board. I think especially for folks of color, mm-hmm. so that we can have these perspectives shared. But I don't think necessarily that the female-dominated reality is the case in decision-making tables. I so agree with you on that. Yeah. yeah, so, so you know, you still look at boards of directors and, and folks who are really in the upper echelons who are making those um, critical decisions. Those often tend to be, you know, white men. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's something that we've really been pushing forward in this podcast is you know why we need to have people who can make those critical decisions represent mm-hmm. folks from all walks of life you know all genders all races because ultimately you know that is how we ensure that our policies our our communities then can um be fully uh, adaptable and um and really you know um responsive to the needs of folks from from all different walks of life as well um different yep. abilities as well right so yep. yeah so um I definitely hear you, but I think um, I think yeah, when it comes to to moving forward in sustainability, I hope that we will continue to um, be mindful of of you know ensuring that we are offering um, mm-hmm. you know spaces for all people to to be present. but specifically in decision making tables, I can't wait to see yeah, um, yep. a lot more you know women and specifically women of color up there, you know, calling I, the shots. I, I
2: yeah, I definitely agree with you. I think that decision making is very important and that's how things get changed. Policy is very important for um, any country that you go in, especially seeing women in that in, in those positions, I want to see that when I when I when in the future, I want to see a kind of progression happen. Like why do you why don't you think that um, climate policies haven't changed all that much? they haven't changed and even if they've to do it's like oh we'll will uh you know change our reduction by maybe 5% or 2% nothing radical has changed up to that point if you have the same kind of person dictating the same kind of policy over and over again and when people push back for change and they only push back a little bit then obviously there's going to be uh you know riled uh crowds and and obviously there's there's a need for change. And I want to see that happen. I I definitely agree with you. Uh, In terms of the female dominated space, you know, I think my wording there was a bit um, off. What I meant to say was definitely on a ground level there is, but we need to get more people up there on the, on the upper echelon, on the, on the higher places for policy change. That's where things will start rolling and and going in a a positive direction. I a hundred percent agree with everything you said. Mm -hmm. Yep.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. I didn't mean to question you there, but no, I am definitely is. I think good on these podcasts we're able to have dialogue. Right. And, mm-hmm. and yeah, I think um, specifically, I mean, you touched on it, but the critical nature of having indigenous folks leading the movement, yeah. I think is, is more important than ever. So I'm looking mm-hmm. forward to continuing to put pressure on, on government and on, um on society to, to center indigenous voices and, you know, doing what we can as folks who are non-indigenous to keep keep um yeah. building building up spaces and carving out spaces so that those voices shine through
2: um, for sure so, for sure yeah, thank yeah. You for that. i i love um you know climate marches especially in, in uptown waterloo those are always my favorite uh seeing all the signage and everything um is it, just great and people are uh you know get some really funny jokes out there on, on their signs and i really enjoy seeing um all the, all the puns that are being made on um on, on climate change and everything like that but i think you know movements like that truly are uh, special and and i and i just hope that uh, during post pandemic we can continue to do those and, and raise more awareness that way agreed
0: mm-hmm. so hey what would you say that you are most proud of i know that you're just entering your 3b term so um just in your in your last couple of years of university mm-hmm. and still still a young man but what are you most proud of up until this
2: point um what am i most proud of wow as, as, a, as a 21 year old that's that's kind of hard to say uh as, as a person who hasn't you know gone to that level yet but from what i've experienced so far from a sustainability perspective you know uh just going through my program and reaching the point that i am right now and reaching the point of where i worked at swr really means something to me uh the journey that i've that i've made so far is very important to me uh especially because uh, in terms of sustainability field and and you know reaching and putting my voice out there that's what i want to do using this podcast you know people i'll be able to put my voice out there and my perspective on sustainability and what that means and interview more people and you two have given this uh this lovely opportunity especially i you know i've listened to the episode that uh just came out and honestly it was great uh listening to your experiences and and perspectives on sustainability but i think um my greatest you know some of my greatest achievements are Uh, Pushing forth this narrative of diverse voices and pushing forth the narrative of we need to do something now Um, and, and helping, you know, especially my friends who aren't studying environment. Uh, understand what that means um and you know some of my friends who are in engineering science they might not understand but having the ability to to help them understand is very important from a non-sustainability perspective uh some of my greatest achievements I'd say uh definitely performing at Roy Thompson Hall that was great um I, I I've done choir a lot in, in high school and everything so doing a solo there was really great um and uh, you know seeing all the all the faces in the, in the crowd was really amazing um what else uh, yeah, I, I'd say those those are some of my crowning achievements uh, up to date. I'm sure as I grow older, there'll be more. But, you know, as a, as a 21-year-old, those are the ones I can think of.
1: That's a big deal, performing at Roy Thompson Hall. <laughs> it was great.
2: Yeah, I it was I, a so good time. Yeah, we're in the presence of
1: royalty, my God. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> Hadira thank you so much um for your time today for for responding to some of these hard questions and i hope that listeners enjoyed getting to know you a bit more because at this point you know we're passing on the torch we're going to mm-hmm. be um we're going to be kind of giving this all to you so i think folks are going to really enjoy having you um at the helm for the next season um i'd love to know for you now that you're going to be taking over the podcast um what is uh what's something you're excited for 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 next season
2: uh well i, I just want to say thank you for inviting me out for this interview and, and especially for your closer of your first season i think it's i think it's great thank you for choosing me i appreciate it so much um but i think for next season what i really want to see is you know more uh interviews and more diverse voices i can already think of a couple of people who I, I want to to interview and, and using this platform using swr uh definitely i'd to, to meet those people, I think it would be great. Uh, one example is, is my friend who actually runs their own, uh, climate blog. I think they would be very nice, uh, very good, uh, person person interview after, uh, and starting season two, but I think, you know, um, getting more reach and, and, and not only in the sustainability field, because I know people who, who will listen to this podcast are, will be probably environmental professionals, people who, uh, understand sustainability and stuff like that. But I think, you know, um, kind of going above and beyond and, and expanding our, our, our base, uh, and, and helping people understand what sustainability means. That's what's very important to me and, and pushing forth the narrative that sustainability can be understood and, um, that we can do something about it. I think that's, that'll be very important to me.
0: I'm really looking forward to seeing uh, what will happen next season and just the, um, the conversations that you'll bring to season two, um, I think are going to be really impactful and definitely a reflection of your passion.
2: Thank you.
1: Sav, I think um, it'd be kind of nice to to wrap up a little bit, just chatting about some things that, you know, some of our reflections too, now that we're, we're passing this off. Um, it would, yeah, I'd love to know, what do you think, um, What's been the the biggest thing that you've learned over the course of the last few months as we've been recording?
0: There have been a lot of things I've learned. (laughs) Um, Technically, definitely. Um, But I think one of the most important things that I've learned is that um, I think that my definition of diversity actually has shifted a little bit. Um, And it's one thing that I really think is important to highlight as part of this podcast is that, yes, we can have diversity in experience, but there's also this really important part of diversity in opinion um, and diversity in reflection. And I think that is really important to highlight. Um, And I think that our podcasts have really, really done that. Um, It's really easy when you're in the sustainability space to, and, to come at the definition and then also to come at the definition of diversity in what sustainability should, should look like. Um, but our experiences are also different and they're all very much valid and we're all working towards the same goal, but our paths to get there are different and our opinions and and how we feel about how sustainability should be achieved is also really different. Um, and so that's one thing I've learned that diversity is very wide and it's not, um, you know, the box that maybe I would have created when we started the podcast. Um, it comes from so many different places. And I think that is a really good thing.
1: I couldn't agree more with you. I think that's probably my biggest takeaway as well from this experience. And I think that um, I'm really grateful to all the folks who were so willing to come on the pod and to share their perspectives and really broaden my own horizons as well. Um, I think something that I've continuously been thinking about as a white woman in the sustainability field is constantly thinking you know how how I can use my you know my my um, my kind of tools, my skills, my you know for my master's program for my my research funding, how I can use that um, to promote allyship and to um, to continue to, Um, really open up space and and step aside to provide um, kind of a yeah more more space for other perspectives that need to be shared because perspectives such as my own have been talked about far too much quite frankly Um, but I think that throughout this pod I've really seen that you know I had a limited view of what I thought was going to be the conversations we were going to have. And I kind of anticipated there was going to be one specific narrative that would come out of our podcast based on my limited view. And we've had multiple narratives that have come out of this. And I think that is really cool. And um, I'm grateful to have been able to work with you, Savine. Um I've learned so much from you as well. You are truly a remarkable woman and I'm excited to keep following alongside as, as you grow and flourish in your career too. So yeah, really grateful.
0: Yeah, I think one of the most, the things I'm most grateful for actually is meeting you, Lauren. Like <laughs> it's been so great to learn from you as well. And I think that um, one thing that you have taught me is that um, it's important to be graceful with yourself and also with others. Um, and I've learned that a lot through our podcast. Um, just through like trying to understand technical difficulties, trying to to work through getting this off the ground. Um, and that has been a really great lesson throughout the pandemic. And I think it's going to be awesome to hopefully finally get to meet you in person.
1: <laughs> in the mountains. We'll to go yes, mountains. in our new home. <laughs> Very exciting. Yeah, well, thank you. I appreciate that. And truly, it, it's been such an honor. Um, I'm going to be, yeah, it's sad to, to see the chapter of SWR really come is. to an end. But once again, you know, very excited for what's next. And I'm going to be continuously remaining connected um, from afar and looking forward to seeing um, how the organization grows because it's a powerful one. So, yeah, really, really happy to have been a part.
0: Yes. Thank you, SWR. <laughs> <laughs>
1: All right. Well, with that, um, thank you all, folks, for for tuning in this season, and looking forward to uh, to seeing what's next.
0: Take care.